0: we love you this morning we want to be able to speak to ears that are open we want to be able to speak to hearts that are open speak this message to our hearts in the name of jesus we pray amen acts chapter 1 verse 8 but you shall receive what power Everybody likes power. Well, he says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples after the resurrection before he ascends to heaven. And he says to his disciples, and not only to them, but to us today, but you maybe shall receive power. Didn't say that. He said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you what? shall be witnesses uh, to me in, in uh, Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, let me read, if you will, also Judges 13, 1 through 5. Follow me. Judges 13, 1 through 5. Uh, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. Look at the third verse. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful. Now, notice this this was the mother. Now, therefore, please be careful. Do not drink wine or similar drinks. And not to eat anything unclean. And then he says in verse 5. For behold you shall conceive and bear a son. And no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite. To God from the womb. And he shall begin. Notice this. Very important. And he shall begin to deliver Israel. Out of the hands of the Philistines. Notice the outline, the power of God revealed, and under that, in smaller letters, lessons from the life of Samson. And I have five different uh, lessons I want us to learn. First of all, the power source. Second of all, the power's purpose. Thirdly, the power revealed. Fourth, the power, sadly, sadly, the power lost and number 5 the power restored look at the introduction as we read it to understand samson's time we must understand the time of judges in israel god had chosen israel brought them out of slavery into egypt given them his law to live by and placed them hallelujah in the promised land they were Expected to live like his people, to be holy because he was holy. They went into the land under the leadership of Joshua, but after Joshua died, and most of us know this story, they know the history of it, you know the history of Israel, things began to head into a downward spiral fast. As we read in Judges chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, and read it with me. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, notice what it says, that they Reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, from their stubborn ways. And notice in the outline and verses, uh, verse twenty-five or twenty-one. I notice this verse in those days, typical of America today. Typical of Europe today, typical of many countries that at one time they had revival, at one time they had an outpouring, but notice this 25th verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what? What was right in his own eyes. What happened in New York with the abortion case? cases what's trying to happen in virginia and other states people are doing what's right in their own eyes what's right, not what no what's right no what's right as far as the will of god but doing what is right in their own eyes and i, I i'm concerned for the church today because i, I i'm i just feel like the church Rather than listening to the voice of God, rather than being obedient to the will of God, the church, spirit-filled believers, are doing what is right in their own eyes. God help us. Now, this man, Samson, if you want to read a great story, I mean, it's just a great story. He said, oh, I've heard about Samson. Yeah, but you you need to read uh, chapter 13, chapter 14, 15, and 16. You ought to read it. Take time this week to read those chapters and read about this great man, Samson. Uh, Notice, first of all, we have the power source. How did he do what he did? How did he take the jawbone of a donkey and kill by himself 1,000 Philistines? How did he take the gates of Gaza, pull up the gate, and the things that held it in the ground, took it, put it on his shoulders, and walk about 50 miles with that gate on his shoulders? I mean, that's a feat that is impossible, impossible with man. How did he take and catch many fox and tie their tails together and set the Philistines, wheat, barley, and fields on fire? How did he take it one time and kill 30 Philistines? How did he take and go between two pillars that held up the temple, their God, Dagon's temple, and take those two pillars and pull them until the whole structure fell, boom, to the ground? And at that time, he killed more Philistines than he did in in all of his life, and he served God in judging uh, Israel. Uh 20 years. How'd he do that? First of all, the Holy Spirit was the source of his strength. I I don't believe Samson looked looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He might have looked like Barney Fife. I don't know what he looked like. But it wasn't his, it wasn't his physique. It wasn't He was ripping with muscles, and he was able to do that. It was because of the Holy Spirit. Look look at what the, the Bible says over and over, 13 and 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him in Mahanadan between Zorah and whatever. You know, I believe that we need to understand that God Almighty gave Samson the strength that he had. And how is the church going to be effective today? How are we going to change the world? How are we going to do the feats that the Bible, the the things that the Bible says we ought to do? I believe today the church is laughed at by the world. The only thing the world thinks about the church is you're in our way. You're a hindrance. And they look down and laugh at the church. The world looks down and laughs at the church. The church needs to be the leader. The church needs to do, as the Bible says, exploits. But it was the Holy Spirit, if you read all of those verses I have listed there. This divine, notice what it's what I have in number two. This divine enabling of the supernatural empowerment was associated with his consecration to God as a Nazarite which was symbolized by his unshaven head he told delilah he said if you cut my hair i'll be like other men i mean she kept on and on and on how can you be a normal person how can you how can the church be normal just like any other club just like any other gathering remove the holy spirit take away the anointing of God and the church is just as weak and just as anemic as any other group that gathers. Notice this, the church's power soars in uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Behold, I send the promise. This is Jesus of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. And again, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is saying, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost. What the church needs is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've just got a sneaking feeling that we as a church, that I, that all of us need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. There is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same baptism. I want you to notice. Listen, this is interesting. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. It means something to gather together. It means something to be with brothers and sisters. Oh, our, our secret place in the closet is fine. Praying alone is fine. But it's, there are times when the church needs to come together as one. And they were in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared. I love this. To them divided tongues as of fire. One, something that the church needs is God's anointing and the wind of the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, how long, is it, how long has it been since we've heard that rushing wind? I'm not talking about audibly. I'm not talking about audibly or the fire of the Holy Spirit. Rock Church in Virginia Beach. Rock Church in Virginia Beach. That church was started many, many years ago, a large church. They, they were so filled. They, uh, there, were, there were drug addicts. There were alcoholics. There were attorneys and lawyers. There were all kind of class of people by the thousands gathering in that church, gathering in that church. And they prayed. And the anointing and the power of God Mike McAfee still goes to that church, he and his wife. They just moved to Nashville. Don't go now. But they went to that church. And one night, the fire department was called out to this church. There were people all around the neighborhood saw this fire. And they called the fire department and said, you've got to come. This church is on fire. And the fire department, this is a true story, the fire department came out. And it was a fire-like light over that church where they had prayed. People were getting saved by the hundreds, getting saved by the thousands. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The church's source. That's the power, the power source is the Holy Spirit. Just simple. Simple. Number two, the power's purpose. What was Samson's purpose? To bust and bust a few heads. <laughs> I mean, he did. He uh, probably—I don't know—he looked like Sylvester Stallone, but he was like, boy, bust a few heads around you. He They came, up, you know, you know, the, the Israelites tied him up because he had. Uh, killed 30 of their philistines and set the fields on fire so the philistines were were very angry and they came up by the thousands and he was up in a mountain just sitting there just sitting sitting there well it it concerned his brethren the israelites so much they went up they went up by the thousands and they said listen you're going to get us in trouble You're, you're, these people have come up against. In fact, they were slaves. Israel was were slaves to the Philistines. They paid homage and they had to they had to give to the Philistines. The Philistines control the Israelites. Samson said, "I'm not going to let them control me." Now listen to me. Uh, Samson is recorded in the Book of Hebrews as a hero of faith. I. I don't understand all that I should about Samson because there were times the flesh controlled that man. I mean, he he didn't do some things right. As a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to drink alcohol, and he did. As a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to touch anything dead, and he did. As most of you know, this young lion, he was going down to see this, this prostitute and this young lion roared out against him, which meant it wasn't just an old, detooth, weak lion. It was a strong lion, and he took that lion. He had nothing in his hands, and he, he killed it. Well, he left it there and, and, and gone for a good while, weeks or whatever, and when he came back, there was uh, bees. There was bees in that carcass. And they had a lot of honey. So he goes in there and takes his hand and takes that honey and starts eating and walks on down the road. He wasn't supposed to do that. He was not as a Nazarite supposed to touch anything dead. And as a Nazarite, now some were Nazarites for a while and they changed, but he was a Nazarite supposed to be for all of his life. They were not supposed to cut their hair. And so those things, and he finally wound up doing that. But this man was surrounded by the Philistines, by the Israelites, and here comes his brethren and said, listen, you're going to get us in trouble. Listen, that's what's wrong with the world today. We're willing to be in servitude to the the enemy. We let the world control us rather than the church controlling the world. But thank God there's some people not willing to do that. And we pray and we believe God and, and we can see the hand of God in action. And we need to see the hand of God move. And so he said, you tie me up then. He told his friends, you tie me up. He said, but you're not going to do one thing. I'm asking you not to do one thing. Don't kill me. Don't kill me. they said, we, 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 we'll tie you up, but we won't kill you. And so he they left. And here are these thousands of Philistines came on him. And and the ropes that they tied him with was like wax, and he just tore them off. And as I said, he found a new jawbone. See, if it had been an old jawbone, it would have broke up. As he, but these new jawbones was, was tough. And, and, and so he picked up the jawbone of a donkey and slayed 1,000 Philistines. Wow. Wow. It's important for us to know that the purpose of Samson was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to witness. Not just to come on Sunday morning and feel good, and that's great. But we're to be a witness. We are to be. We are to be a witness for Jesus Everywhere we go, we need to tell about the goodness and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose, number three, the purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit is to empower the church for ministry. Amen. You and I, not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just the elders, but the whole church is supposed to be involved in ministry. Amen. In ministry. In ministry. The power source is the Holy Spirit. The purpose is to witness and to be uh, uh, in ministry. The power revealed. The Holy Spirit revealed the power, and I just told you the things that happened. The Philistines that he killed, the foxes that he caught and set the fields of fire, uh, taking the gates of Gaza right on down, right on down. These, this was the Spirit of God being manifested. What if Samson had a set home? What if, what if Samson had said, I'm not going to get out here and fight nobody. I'm going to protect myself. Nobody's going to come and harm me. I'll just, you know, pick up a jawbone and I'll kill him." But Samson did not do that. He went out as a judge. One of the 15 judges, certainly, of Israel. The church is given. Look at it. The power revealed. The church is given new power to witness, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, set the captives free. Power. Jesus said to do greater works. He said, "Look at verse. Look at chapter fourteen of Saint John. Chapter fourteen and verse twelve. Most assuredly, this is Christ. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, say Amen with this one. He will." I'll do also. Amen. God. Oh, God, help the church. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. We need. Now, we have the Spirit of God. There's probably most of us been baptized with the Holy Spirit. If not, you've been saved. You know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And when you become a believer, the Holy Spirit does come on the inside When you're baptized, he comes not only on the inside, but he certainly flows out. The church has given new power to witness. Heal the sick, cast out demons, set captives free. Power, Jesus said, to to do greater things. Look at number three. God reveals his power today by convicting the lost, healing the sick, setting the captive free, and casting out devils. I'm going to skip down, Tammy, to John 16 and 8. John 16 and 8. I'm I'm going to read from the Amplified. And he, when he comes, he, the the Holy Spirit, Jesus told his disciples, I'm going back to the Father, and when I go, I will pray, and he will send a comforter. He will send a helper. And here in... uh, the 8th verse of the 16th chapter. And he, when he comes, will convict the world. And that word there means convince. He will convince the world about the guilt of abortion. You say that? Wouldn't you like to see the Spirit of God so powerful in the churches today that when people come up with ideas like they come up with against God and the sin, wouldn't you like to see there be a conviction that will drop them to their knees rather than stand and clap in their hands and rejoice because they can take a baby is born, lay that baby down, mom can decide, the doctor can decide, and dad maybe can decide, do we want to kill that baby? And they can do it. Wouldn't it be nice if the Holy Ghost conviction would say, you can't do that? Amen. And when you and I go witnessing, Oh, it's great to know the Word. It's great to be able to know what to say and know not what to say. But it's even greater when we go witnessing for God and we speak to the lost. (coughs) And once we do that, they're like they they were on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says when Peter, Peter preached that sermon that they were pricked In their heart. How long has it been since the church has had that kind of conviction? That kind of conviction. When I first started preaching, it was here. And it's still here to a certain extent. Listen, there are a lot of things you don't see. There are a lot of things you don't see that's happening. And there is conviction. I'm not saying there's no conviction. When I was young and skinny and had full head of hair and When I was preaching back then, Carol and I had more revivals. We preached revivals all over this state, especially down east. We preached revival. And people would literally run to the altar. They were convicted. They would weep. And then we had a church. We had some churches down east that the sisters, when you went to the altar, the sisters gathered around you. You better pray through you wouldn't get up. I mean, these sisters were determined. Wouldn't it be great if the church was that determined? Oh, God, save my son, my daughter. And I know we pray. I'm not saying that. I was thinking about Friday night prayer. And I was thinking it's one of the, it's one of the greatest times in the world for this church. And I'm not saying it trying to put anybody under conviction or condemnation. I'm just saying it's a time because the 120 tarried in the upper room. And that's what we do here for one hour. We tarry. You say, oh, oh, that's a boring time. It's the most blessed time of my life, along with other things. The tarrying. The tarrying. And this, this, the Holy Spirit needs to be revealed. And there needs to be conviction. There needs to be conviction. I've told you the story of Patty Cake. Patty Cake. Patty Cake came to church on Main Street. And the reason he came, and, and Steve, you, you probably might know him or would have known him. I know you would know him. His last name was Browning. Browning, I think he was. He was a young young man and he came to the church and it was on Sunday night and we had a crowd of people and the Holy Ghost was moving. People would come in wheelchairs and get up and walk out. He heard that people were being healed. People, you go down to that church and, and, and you can be healed. Well, He had a beagle dog. A beagle dog. He came to church. He said, my dog is sick. Would you pray for him? Let me tell you what God did. God healed that dog. I'm I'm not lying to you. God healed that dog. But more than that, patty cake. And I'll tell you in a minute why we called him patty cake. Patty cake. He He came drinking. He was about drunk. God sobered him up convicted him he hit that all and cried out to God and he got saved real good and he became so on fire for God back then men wore ties most, most of the men wore ties he'd take his tie he'd throw it over his shoulder i am I telling the truth you know and he was so happy he couldn't stop clapping his hands He was at this church service. He'd walk in clapping his hands. He'd leave. And we called him Patty Cake. But Patty Cake got saved, filled the spirit, and he was on fire for God. He moved to Virginia, I believe it was, and his dog got healed. I don't know. I don't think the dog got saved, but he got healed. (laughs) We need the convicting power of God. We've had more people. I had one young man come in the church on Saturday night by himself and he was just a figure sitting back in the back. He just walked in. I was on the platform playing the guitar and singing and he came up on the platform and that next Sunday, he was drinking. He was drinking just about drunk. Young, nice looking man. Young man. The next Sunday he came to church. He got under conviction and he got saved. We had a homosexual to come. He and his his partner came to the church. And he was under conviction. So on Sunday morning, he said, can I talk to you this week? I said, yes. He came back the next week. And we sat in my office and he and I talked. And he sat there and told me a story how that he was raised in Fayetteville and how he moved to New York and got into this lifestyle. He said, but I'm tired of it. I want the Lord to save me. And he knelt down in my office next to the chair he was sitting in. And we laid our hands on him. And God set him free from that spirit. The convicting power of God got a hold of him. The next Sunday night, his his partner came. And I called him out. I felt to call him out. I said, Would you come up here? And he came up. He didn't even get to the altar. He got almost about three, about four or five feet from the altar, and he hit the floor. And he lay there and he wept and he cried. He wept and he cried. And God Almighty had convicted this man of this lifestyle, both of them. And now here he is lying in the floor. When he got up, he was sobbing and he laid his arms around me and he said, Pastor, I love you today as much as I hated you when I came in. What a change in your life that the Holy Spirit makes. Today he's married with two children. Let me tell you, God can convict. And that's what he said. When he has come, he will convict. I gotta hush, I gotta go on. The power lost. Samson lost his power. Let me finish this. He he gradually, gradually. Was telling Delilah where his strength was. He said, "If you'll if you'll tie me with this, I'll be like other men." It didn't work. He said, "If you'll tie me with this, it'll be like I'll be like other men." That didn't work. He said, "If you'll tie my hair, if you'll take my long hair and tie it to a loom, to a loom big big heavy uh, apparatus. If you're tied to that, then I won't be." I won't have strength anymore. She called him and said, the Philistines be upon you. He, broke that loom and he whooped upon the Philistines. And then she said, listen, listen, you've lied to me all of these times. You don't love me. And she worked on him. He said, well, I have made a Nazarite vow never to cut my hair. And if my hair is cut, I'm just like other people. You see, that's what the devil wants to make the church, just like other people. He wants to make us just like the world. Because she cut his hair. He lay his head on her knee. And she cut it, or had somebody to come in and cut his hair. Samson, the Philistines will be upon you. Philistines, the Bible said he rose up, shook himself like he had the other times. He wist not, the King James said, that the Spirit of God had departed from him. He didn't even know the Spirit had departed from him. Are we so far away from God that we don't even know that he's God where are you? Why don't we see the revealed power of God? Why don't we see it? And the church today, look at it. The church hasn't lost its power we just don't use the power available to us. Second Peter I don't think I wrote it down but it's found in second Peter that we do have the power of God. we have that power. the unavoidable truth avoidable truth is that we are becoming desensitized. How many of us sits down and we sit down today and watch television programs we wouldn't have watched 30 20 years ago? We become so desensitized. We don't even realize it. You ever go to the you ever go to the coast? Some people call it the beach. We Pentecostals don't call it the beach. We call it the coast. We're, we're sanctified. We're holy. Do you ever go and 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 put your your, your basket and your chair out there on, on the shore and, and uh, everything and, and then you go out and start playing in the water, start playing in the water and you pr- play for about 30-45 minutes an hour and then you look up where's my stuff? My stuff is gone and then you look around you don't see a whole lot that's familiar and then you look well down there, and you see your stuff, and you realize I didn't even realize I was drifting like that. I didn't realize I was getting that far away from my stuff. That's what the church has done today. It's put its stuff out there, and we've we 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 we're so desensitized. We're we're so. Uh, carnally minded, until we drift and we shake ourselves at times and we don't even know the Spirit of God it's not moving in our life. Look at it. The power lost. Look at what we say. I want to say it one more time. The truth is that we are becoming desensitized. The Holy Spirit no longer fills our hearts with passion for purity and holiness. You ought to put that on your refrigerator right there. Remind us. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom and remind us. I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit no longer fills our hearts with passion for purity and holiness. As a result, there is a general lack of conviction. And I'm going to finish with number five, the power restored. I love, I hope I did write that one down. I got it. It's it's Tammy, it's Judges 16, 28. Listen to it. then Samson called on the Lord. Saying, oh, Lord God, can you see this man that's conquered everything he's come to? Now they've cut his hair. He's blind. He can't see anything. They put out his eyes. He's grinding at the meal as a slave. The blinding, the grinding. God's God, to speak to us. Where are we at? Are we are we doing Satan's chores? Are we are we blinded? Are we bound by sin and Satan? There's a song that Fleece and them sung the other Sunday. Jesus is a chain breaker. And one day he's eating. One day he feels like, Lord, I've just I'm just gone. And then he reaches up. And he feels his hair. And it's growing back. Let me tell you something. You may have drifted from God. You may not be where you ought to be with God. You may not even be shaved today. But if you call out to God, you can reach up and feel your hairs growing. You can really realize God. You're coming to me. You're speaking to me. You're coming back into my life. Isn't that great? I'm just so glad that no matter where we are today, we can be restored. We can be restored. God can restore us. He can refill us. And we can sense His power again. I don't know. You may have felt like you've drifted. You may not feel like you did. And I'm not going by feeling. Because you can't. We go, we walk by faith. But sometimes you just like to sense God's presence. God can restore that. Samson called on the Lord. God's people must call on the Lord. And one of the greatest scriptures that there is is 2 Chronicles 7 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall what? Humble themselves and what? Pray. Do you pray? Oh, I say the grace. Do you pray? Do you spend time before the Lord, waiting before the Lord, meditating before the Lord, worshiping God, calling out to the Lord and saying, God, help me today. God's people need to pray. David backslid on God because of his disobedience. The fifty-first chapter of the book of Psalms is one of the greatest chapters. You ought to read that chapter. It is—it is so great. But the—but the twelfth but the verse says, and David says, "Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit." I'm closing with this. There's only one chapter in Jude. The twentieth verse says this. Listen at it. But you, this is you, this is he's talking to us today, the believer. Building up yourselves up on your most holy faith by what? Praying in the spirit. If you'll study that, it means praying in tongues. So preacher, I don't believe in praying in tongues. Well, you don't have to pray in tongues. Sometimes I think Brother Dan on Friday night speaking in tongues, he's praying in English, and all of a sudden he goes to some other language. I wish I had I wish I could speak Spanish I I think it's one of the most beautiful you know we think when we get to heaven we're going to hear somebody say y'all come on in now (laughs) say that in Spanish y'all come on in now (laughs) what did he say? it don't matter if it's Spanish German or whatever it is we're going to be glad to get there and we'll know to go in those golden gates and walk on those streets of gold. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But build yourself up on your most holy faith. Brother Matt, bow your heads and let us pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for these five steps. I thank you, Lord, that you show us. You show us clearly the source of our power. You show us clearly the purpose. Why? 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 And you reveal it in your word. We don't have to wonder what we'll do. We don't have to wonder the purpose that we have. You show us how the power is revealed. You show us that we can, sadly, lose that power. We can shake ourselves and think, hey, I can go out like other times, but it's not there. And then you show us how that power can be restored. God. God. My heart is so burdened today. I'm so concerned for the church. I pray for the church. I pray for the church as a whole, whether here in Durham, whether in the United States, around the world. God, may there be restoration. May there be revival. May there be transformation, dear God. Move. Stir our hearts. Stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, reign on us. Right in, right in your heart as I'm praying, ask the Holy Spirit to rain on you today. Stand with us and sing.